Welcome to the Unite Church podcast. For more information about Unite Church, visit unitechurchak.org. Now enjoy this message from Josh Tanner. We've had some cool things going on at Unite Church of late. Yeah. My stand needs to be higher. Oh, no, it's good. You set it for a smaller man. So a couple weeks ago, uh, Eleanor was prop ministering, and, um, and something cool happened. A gal by the name of Kat, she was running around here responding to the Lord, and she sent this to us. Um, when Eleanor, when you spoke the imparted, um, and imparted healing into the room this morning, it resulted in at least three complete healings. I would like to share the whole story with you. Thank you for speaking what God wanted you to speak. It was so powerful. God is gifting you in an amazing way. When you told the people to pray for people who had their hands raised, I went over to a man in a blue shirt uh, in the back row. He said that he had pain in his lower back and pointed to it. The short version is that uh, I put fingers on the pain points and prayed, and God just immersed both of us in his presence. As soon as he could speak, he said that he had no pain at all. We praised God, and then I said, now we need to go find someone else who needs healing. And he and I went together and prayed for a lady who also had back pain. She was healed completely. We were shouting by now. Then we grabbed someone who was walking by and quickly uh, shared quickly about the two healings, then prayed for her shoulder and arm. She tested it and said that she had no more pain. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Listen, Jesus is a healer. He can heal for you. I have personally prayed for people and seen them miraculously healed. And when it happens for you, then you cannot deny that God's power is alive and real and active, okay? So I'm encouraging you, open up your faith. And when you hear God could do it for someone else or did it for someone else, he could also do it for you. Amen? We're in such a fun series uh, right now that, you know, God just led us into this place to talk about altars. And um, it really was one of these things where we had some things we felt the Lord laid on our heart uh, between our senior leadership team. And then God just has just kept speaking to us. So we kind of don't know when we're going to be done with it. And we're just listening to the Holy Spirit and uh, Zach and I were just praying about it and talking about it. We just go, we just don't feel like we're done. So we don't know. It's about altars and anointing and the presence of God. And it's getting all mixed up, which is kind of cool. And honestly, you can't have an altar with the Lord and not experience his presence. Because his presence inhabits the altar. Otherwise, it's just a thing on the ground. Right? But where God inhabits, it becomes this moment, a memorialized place, where we remember the good things that God has done. We can have altars that remind us of it, and we can have altars that are in the exact spot where we remember God uh, met us. And I love Joni's testimony last week when she was talking about where uh, her mom, my uh, mother-in-law, she is fantastic, Beth, led her to receive Jesus on the side of the bed, right? And that moment she'll never forget. There are moments that we have encounters with God and his presence that we'll never forget. And then, you know, I was thinking about one of Zach's messages about the dedication. We're talking about with babies now, but that what we dedicate to the Lord, he inhabits. And when we give him our whole life, I was talking about the burnt offering. Your life is a burnt offering on which in the Old Testament, they worshiped 
in the temple and in the tabernacle is how worship happened. And they would offer things on the brazen altar. And it was a burnt offering, which was a beautiful smell to the Lord, which gave up everything they wanted from God. They had to give up and put on the altar. Okay, so everything, they needed forgiveness, they needed blessing, they needed favor, whatever it was, it all went up onto the burnt offering, the altar, of, of, of brazen altar, and it got burned up. And that's how they experienced the presence of God. First, they had to offer sacrifices in worship to him to then experience the presence of God. And one of those things is the forgiveness of sins. And so we've talked about that Jesus, and we can just put up the little temple uh, picture here. And so we see over here is the brazen altar, which is what I'm talking about in the top corner. That's where they'd offer all the sacrifices. The molten sea, we'll talk about that a little bit today. But then we have the brazen lavers where they would wash all of the internal organs of the sacrifices and they would look into and reflect on their in, internal world, the priest would. And then they would offer sacrifices in the forgiveness of sin. And when that was done, they could go inside the holy place where everything was made of gold. There is the lampstand, the table of showbread, and the altar of incense. We talked about that, which was the prayer of the saints that would go through the Holy of Holies curtain that divided them and it would go in there and fill the, the, the inner Holy of Holies chamber where the Ark of the Covenant and the two seraphims or cherubims or whatever, okay, uh, those, those things are all inside and that is where the presence of God would dwell. Pretty rad, right? When Jesus died, and I want to read this passage to you, this did not just happen on earth. You can leave this, uh, wait, well, you probably have to, have to put the scriptures up. So it's Hebrews chapter 9, 20. This did not just happen on earth. The Bible tells us that's a replica of what's actually in heaven. Hebrews 9, 20. This is the blood of the covenant which God had com has commanded you to keep. In the same way, he sprinkled with blood both the tabernacle and everything used in its ceremonies. In fact, the law requires that nearly everything be cleansed with blood without Blood, the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness. It was necessary then for the copies of the heavenly things to be purified with these sacrifices, but the heavenly things themselves with better sacrifices than these. So what's it saying is there are the earthly things that happened here were just copies of what the temple in heaven actually looks like. And the sacrifices being here on earth were good, but they were temporary. When Jesus made that sacrifice in heaven, it was permanent. He didn't just go in and just it died on the altar in here. He like went into heaven and the altar in heaven. And he, he was literally on the cross, probably stood up on the brazen altar. I mean, can you imagine? He's probably resurrected. Let's go back to the, the image of the altar. On the brazen altar in heaven... He probably, when he died on the cross, resurrected and stood up on the brazen altar. Is like, what's up? And then there was a bowl there that had his blood in it. And he carried that blood. He put it on the, put it on the, sprinkled it on the brazen altar. Forgiveness for sin. Done. And because it was done in heaven in eternity by an eternal being, it was done forever. Then he carried that bowl inside, and he says he just covered it on everything, right? He just like, there's some blood over here. Let's put my blood over there. Blood goes on the incense, so the prayer of the saints, I'm going to stand beside the Father and intercede for him. you all day and night. Prayer activated. Eternal prayer activated by the blood of Jesus. 
Eternal access activated by the blood of Jesus into the Holy of Holies. Veil torn, no more veil. He just walks into the Holy of Holies, the presence of God goes on, and then he does the most awesome thing, is he puts his blood on the mercy seat, which eternally causes us to be made righteous by the blood of Jesus. The mercy seat is a cool thing. I probably should have got it bigger, but down right in there on the Ark of the Covenant, the top was the mercy seat, and it was three parts. There were two cherubims that were winged-looking angel things that were leaning over, and then there was the mercy seat. One cherubim represents the Father, the other is the Holy Spirit, and then the mercy seat is the Son. Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. And it was made of pure gold, and out of, it was beaten out of one piece of gold. So it was all one, three in one. Three parts in one, where the Father and the Holy Spirit are looking on the sacrifice that Jesus made for each of us, and they say, this is holy. This is holy. What, our, what the Son has done is holy. Where the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit testify to the sacrifice that Jesus made, that it was perfect, and it was made right, and it gives us access to him day and night. Pretty awesome. But there's this other really cool thing that's in this design of God. And you see that empty chamber like above the Holy of Holies? You go all the way in and then there's an empty chamber above the Holy of Holies. That is the treasury chamber. This is where they kept all the treasure that they worked for and that God sent them into all the land and when they would conquer giants and conquer nations and conquer places, then they would put the treasure right above the Holy of Holies. Well, I wonder why they do that. I wonder why God would have them do that. You know what's really interesting about that treasury chamber? It is the exact dimensions as the brazen altar. Oh, I'm sure that was on accident. No, I'm pretty sure that's on purpose because the measure of our sacrifice here on earth, worship, okay, now worship is obedience to God in sacrifice. The combination of obedience to God and sacrifice is what worship looks like. What the priests were doing in the Old Testament was all obedience to God, exactly what he told them to do in sacrifice and giving up their offerings to him, their life to him. And Jesus gave the ultimate offering in obedience to God. Philippians 2 says that he was obedient until death on the cross, which paid the ultimate sacrifice and did the coolest thing we could ever imagine. Right? And Jesus pays this price in worship to the Father. That's what worship looks like. Worship looks like obedience that drives sacrifice, which is then an encounter in his presence. But the cool thing that God has set up for us is that the measure of our worship to him is equal to the measure of the treasure in heaven stored up for us. Stupid. This is crazy how God does all this stuff. We're just scratching the surface of what we can understand about this. But the presence of God is giving testimony to the things, the acts of worship that you and I do that are holy to him. And there's a connection between what you put on the brazen altar, what goes to the mercy seat, and the presence of God and the incense 
begin to burn, and God says, that's good and acceptable, and it goes up to heaven. And he's like, yep, that was good. And he says to you and I a bunch of stuff about focusing on this treasure. Not the earthly treasure, but that treasure. Matthew 6, 19. Do not, do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth. Stop it. Where moth and vermin destroy. And where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moth and vermin do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. When I was a youth pastor, I used to store up treasures in closets of candy until the vermin came in and stole them. And now my new youth pastor is learning the same lesson. Plastic. You've got to put it in a storage container that the vermin can't get to. Right? Amen. The only way you and I can protect the investment on earth, the exchange of our life on earth, can protect that investment is by offering it in worship to God. And worship starts with obedience, guys. Not whatever we want to do. Worship starts with obedience. Lord, what are you speaking to me? What are you saying to me? Oh, I'm going to do that. See, if, when, when, they start, when, when, when priests decided they were going to offer whatever they wanted, however they wanted, do you know what God called that? A strange fire. And you know what happened to the priests when they didn't have the protection and the mercy of Jesus? The judgment of that sin was so serious to God that he just burned them up. He just burned them up. And they were Aaron's sons, by the way. This is like the priest that he called first, his sons, they like offered a strange fire. It wasn't done the way they did it, the way they wanted. In fact, this is why Abel's offering was better than Cain's is because he offered it the way God instructed him to. And Cain was like, well, I'll just do it kind of however I want. And the Lord's like, that's not, not what I want. It's important that you understand this because your reward in heaven is connected to this. And I want you and I need you. The world needs you to do this right. If you serve or you give sacrifice out of your own motive, there is no reward in heaven. And Corinthians 13 says that if you do any of these things, you can prophesy, you can, you can you know, raise the dead, you can, you can heal the sick, you can preach the best sermons. You can see tons of people get saved. You can do all kinds of stuff, but if you do not do it in love, with the right motive, you offer it through obedience and sacrifice, which is what love drives, by the way. It has no reward. It's a clanging symbol. It makes no impact. We have to check our motives, guys. And I want to ask you, what are you exchanging your life for? You're trading your life every single day for something. Is it adding treasure in heaven? Is it storing up something that has an eternal reward that's worth it? The crazy thing is that the eternal rewards that are stored up in that little treasure chamber are massive impact here on earth. I think the greatest treasure in heaven is people. People connected to people. I'm really hoping there's a super good golf course and a really nice set of golf clubs in there for me too. 
Maybe an Argo, I don't know. Something cool to get out in the woods. A pair of snow machines, I don't know what I need up there. But God knows what I need. But the best thing is going to be people. You know, the best thing is going to be like, what? You, you're connected to me somehow? How did that happen? And you're like, oh my gosh, I'll tell you right now, Josh. I was like talking to this guy and that guy. You prayed for him 16 years ago and he got saved and he prayed for his three kids and then their three kids were testifying and then I got saved. You're like, what? And then you led Ben to the Lord and Ben's like, my hair grew out super fast when I got saved. I look like a Viking. And everybody's like, what in the heck is going on? When we're in heaven, we get to talk about all the amazing things God did in and through us and how we're connected. And he who has the most connections wins. Jesus is going to be first. Okay. I'd love to be at least in the top million. Okay. I don't know. There's some amazing saints out there. And they're not the ones you recognize. They're not the ones that you and I would see. Some of us around here are laboring and storing up treasure in heaven through worship and prayer. And when the Holy Spirit begins to move because of your prayer and the bull tips out, that's your reward. And that harvest begins to just pile in. You're like, ooh, that was part of my doing. Some of y'all prayer warriors in here are going to have some really cool connections where God's going to show you show us, and you're going to get to meet them. And they'll talk about how God transformed their life and how, oh my gosh, I would literally be separated from God in hell if it wasn't for you. And Jesus, of course, all of what Jesus did on the mercy seat, and he connects that in relationship to us. That's all connected. And that's why it goes up as a fragrant offering to God into that chamber where there is treasure and reward. But don't be fooled. Our eyes focused here on earth is a distraction. It being perfect here on earth is a distraction. You're longing for peace. You don't get it here on earth. You get a portion of peace on earth. Not fully. You're longing to be free, free of suffering. You get a portion of being free from suffering. You're longing to be healed forever. You get a portion of experiencing healing here on earth. And then in heaven, you will be eternally healed and made right and whole. Come on. And in heaven, the Bible even says, all the gifts of the Holy Spirit, they're done. Because we don't need them anymore. It's like, oh, okay, full stop, here we go. We have perfection. But now we need the Holy Spirit moving in and through our lives desperately to empower and encourage and, and propagate or expand the kingdom of God. And without him expanding and moving, we are dead on arrival We need the power of God, but it comes in an exchange. And it comes when our eyes are fixed on the right things. It comes when our heart is fixed on the right things. This word, heaven, or to, uh, this word treasure, when it says to lay up treasures in heaven, it means, actually means a thing laid up. Treasure in, in, in the Greek is a thing laid up. And these heavenly treasures are incorruptible. Nothing can take them and steal them. When you invest here, it, it's like done forever. I just want to add a little bit to that treasury room every day. You know, 
God, I want to do, I want to lay up something every day. Just put it up in there for safekeeping for all eternity. But in order to lay up, you have to lay down. The only way we lay up something is to lay something else down. And the things that we're laying down, they matter to us. They give us security. They give us hope. They give us purpose. Sometimes they even affect our identity or they would exchange our identity in Christ for that thing or that status. But God is wanting us to lay down the earthly treasures. He says, lay them down. To prefer these heavenly treasures that are laid up for us. 2 Corinthians 4.17 For our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. So we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but on what is unseen, since what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. These light and momentary troubles, that's what we're going through right now. It feels like a lot, doesn't it? It's like these are light and momentary in comparison to perfect peace and rest in e for all eternity with him. And he's like, hey, these light and momentary troubles, they're worth it. This is a huge exchange. You're like dropping your penny in, that feels like a lot, and you're getting a million dollars in exchange. You're like, but the penny, Lord. He's like, just put the penny in the flipping thing. But I really want to go home right now. He's like, just put the penny in the thing. Um, Bo was telling me, uh, he was one of our worship guys, and he works on our staff. He was telling me the other day, he's like, the Lord just prompted him. I think he was at Fred Meyer, one of the grocery stores. He's just, the Lord is just like, this guy needs you. Well, he had to lay something down. He's like, ah, I got to get to own my family, my kids. And, you know, like he has life stuff that is important. And he, he just instead, he lays down himself on the altar, the brazen altar, and says, Lord, just whatever you want. So he starts talking to this guy, ministers to the guy. I mean, God starts to move in this guy's life. I don't even know. You might even be here today. Jesus is calling you into the kingdom because Bo was willing to lay down his life so that someone could hear him and know him, and he is laying up treasures in heaven. That was a penny of Bo's time that could be worth a million dollars in exchange in heaven. Are you willing to give the penny? Even with our tithes and offerings, guys, tithes are just 10% of what already belongs to God. And he's saying, hey, bring that back to me as a core discipline, and I'll put favor on your life here on earth, but you get an even greater exchange in heaven. Guys, tithing and offerings is like one of the fastest, easiest ways you can lay up treasure in heaven. You're working all day long and you're grinding along doing all your kind of stuff and we're all doing that. And God's blessing and bringing favor on our nation, on our state, on our city, on your family, on your business. And then you can just redeem it all. You're like, how much of that do you want in heaven? All of it you spend on earth, you get none of it. Guaranteed. If you use it here on earth, it gets rusted, it goes away, it's gone. There is no eternal reward. At least 10%. And then God blesses all that you already have and it begins to multiply. And that's a promise. If it doesn't, it begins to erode. This is a promise from God, Malachi 3, if you want to go there. But this is an important redeeming piece is because you have exchanged your life for money out on the world. 
You already traded it. So now it represents the time you've already invested, and you can redeem all that time that maybe had no kingdom purpose by just tithing and then giving offerings. You just do it for Jesus. You're like, you know what? I don't really care about my earthly treasures because the Lord told me I need to stop worrying about that and not focus on that. And I would rather, at Fred Meyer, walk over and just bless some single mom who's like trying to raise her kids and you're like, the Lord just told me to give this to you. And even if you're not totally sure, you're just like, I'm giving this to you in Jesus' name. That's obedience and sacrifice because he said give to the widows and orphans. So find a widow and orphan and give them something in Jesus' name because you already commanded to do it. You don't have to pray about tithing because you're already commanded to do it. Just do it. And you do it in faithfulness. You go, yep, I'm doing that in obedience and sacrifice. And God blesses it. And you're like, 10% of all your working life is now, it's getting stored up in that treasure chamber. This is good math. Who knows? I'm just saying it's worth a million. A million's probably not even close to what it's really worth in heaven. Your penny exchange for a million. It's probably 10 billion or something. Because the, the, the treasures in heaven are gonna, just going to blow our minds. But we have to decide what we're laying our life down for and what we are willing to dedicate to the Lord so that he will bless it. What we're willing to lay down for him so he'll bless it. Our home, our, 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 our homes, our, our jobs, our finances, our stored up treasures, whatever it has, happens to be, right? Our children, our time. All of this stuff is things that we can lay down for the Lord. I believe our time is the most valuable thing we can lay down before the Lord. Which is why he wants us to use our money because it is a direct exchange for your time. That's why it means so much to you. You're like, I don't, this is limited resource. Because your time is limited resource. That's why it hurts. If it hurts, it's good. <laughs> Philippians 3.7. Here's a little chunk. Okay. But whatever were gains to me, I now consider a loss for the sake of Christ. What is more, I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things. You see how positive it is to lose all things? I lose all kinds of things. I'm just hoping I find them in heaven. Okay. I consider them garbage that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness that comes from God on the basis of faith. You don't get to earn it. You get to believe your way into the kingdom. Verse 10, I want to know Christ. Yes, to know the power of his resurrection and participation in sufferings, becoming like him in his death. And so, somehow attaining the resurrection from the dead. Okay, I want to know Christ. This is the push. Joni was preaching about this last week. To pursue knowing Jesus. This is a huge focus of our life. It's actually the primary focus of our life. And to know the power of his resurrection and participate in his sufferings. When you lay your life down, it feels like suffering. I give up my life or I endure something for the sake of Christ. That is suffering. God is saying, do that like Jesus did. Do it like Jesus did. All the way until you die. Listen, I don't, unless you're Moses or 
Elijah, Enoch, y'all gonna die. Someday. You're gonna exchange and trade your life in. And it's better to start now. It's just way better to start dying now than later. Because when you get to the very end, you're like, okay, I'm ready. It's just one more step of death into eternity, and the reward is right on the other side. You're like, I want to go look inside my treasure chamber and see what's flipping in there. It's going to be a good day, hopefully for most of us. Some of us are going to get in, the Bible says, by just like licking of the flames of our booty. Flames of licking our booties? Something? Verse 12. Not that I have already obtained all this or have already arrived at my goal, but I press on to take hold of that which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it, but one thing I do, forgetting what's behind and straining towards what's ahead, I press toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. Everything leads to the treasure chamber, guys. It all leads heavenward to the reward that Jesus purchased for us and he wants us to press forward. And sometimes the shame of our past will hold us from pressing to our future. The mistakes of our past will hold us back from laying down more sacrifices now. That is so demonic. It is so demonic to, to stop moving with the Holy Spirit. And it is an insult to Jesus. He can handle it, by the way. He's okay. But it is. Jesus, your blood, I guess it covered me, but I don't want it. I'm going to live in the shame of my past and the mistakes I made and not allow it to fully set me free to move forward into my future and to continue to lay down more works led by your Holy Spirit to transform the world so that more people can know you, that people can encounter what you did for us all. They're all, Father, Son, Holy Spirit are all working together all the time. Jesus said, it's better that I go. I got to leave so the Holy Spirit can come. He didn't just do that on accident. If Jesus could have done all the work here by himself, he would have just done it. But he had to go sit on the mercy seat and send the Holy Spirit to empower us to do the work. But the Holy Spirit is empowering us to lay our lives down like Jesus did. It's happening over and over, all the time, all the time. <clears throat> Verse 15, all of us then who are mature should take such a view of things. God wants his church to mature. Can you put your hand on your brain for a second? Lord, come on, let's pray. Lord, help me to mature, to see what you see. Come on, I want to take such a view of these things. Come on, in Jesus' name. Help me to see what you see, Lord. We need a supernatural transformation of the way we think. Your thinker is getting in your way more than anything else. You think you know, but you're stuck. I think I know, but I'm stuck, right? We got to get unstuck. The way we get unstuck is by God renewing our mind and changing us. But we have to mature. If we don't allow God to shift our minds, we'll be stuck here forever and ever and ever. Join together in the following my example, brother and sisters, just as you have, uh, just as you have us 
as a model, keep your eyes on those who live as we do. For as I have often told you before and now tell you again, even with tears, many lives and enemies of the cross of Christ, their destiny is destruction. Their God is their stomach. Their glory is their shame. Their mind is set on earthly things, but our citizenship is in heaven. And we eagerly await a Savior from there, the Lord Jesus Christ, who, by the power that enables him to bring everything under his control, will transform our lowly bodies so that they will be like his glorious body. Store up for yourselves treasures in heaven. Come on, you get a, the best, probably the, to me, the best glorious thing in my treasure chamber is going to be my new glorified body. I'm jumping into that sucker. Maybe we all wake up on the brazen altar. I don't know. We're like, new body, let's go. And go check out your treasure in heaven. Meet the God who died for you. There's a crazy thing about all the treasure that happened in heaven. Let's put the little picture back up again. Is that all of the treasure that ended up in this treasury room they go win it. They won it through their works and obedience to God. So when God told them to go somewhere, they go there, they conquer. And then if he said, sacrifice it all for me right there and don't store any of it up, they better do that. And when they didn't do that, that's what happened to Saul. He did it his own way and he got thumped. But when they would do it God's way, he would let them plunder and keep some things. And those things he designated and said you can keep, then they would spread them out and some of those would end up here in the treasury chamber inside the temple. But all of those items had to either be washed in water, which is the molten sea, which has 12 little oxen around it, and it represents the 12 apostles or 12 disciples, 12 nations of Israel. Uh, and this is where, when they built the temple, where they would then, the priests would wash their hands for ceremonial cleaning instead of in the brazen labor. They would wash themselves in the water. And the, we're all cleansed by the washing of the water and the word, right? And we're all baptized in the water and in fire. So any of those items that they would put in the treasury chamber, chamber had to either be washed in water or burned in fire. Your offerings that are going to make it to heaven, that are going to count in heaven, have to be burned in fire or washed in the water. These also represent two baptisms, baptism in water and baptism in fire in the Holy Spirit. It's nothing is missed. The Lord misses nothing. There were two baptisms or two crossings of the sea where they went through from out of slavery, which is salvation into, into, into you know, the desert and then from the desert into the promised land. Two baptisms, water and fire. Jesus himself said, I'm gonna baptize you in fire. God wants to baptize you in fire. He wants to burn up all of the works of your flesh. In 1 Samuel 15, it says obedience is better than sacrifice. It isn't just about sacrificing, but it's about obeying. Hmm. Okay. Oh, there's so much I could say, and we're trying to be done. I'm going to read this scripture in 1 Corinthians 3, and we'll kind of wrap up here. But because God's grace to me, we don't have it back there. Just keep the temple photo up. 
Um, because of God's grace to me, I have laid a foundation like an expert builder. Now others are building on it, but whoever is building on its foundation must be very careful. No one can lay any foundation other than the one we've already laid, Jesus Christ. Anyone who builds on that foundation may use a variety of materials, gold, silver, jewels, wood, hay, or straw. But on the judgment day, fire will reveal what kind of work each builder has done. What reveals the work? Fire. All your works, all my works, are going to be judged by fire, whether they were built on the name of Jesus on his foundation or not. Your opinion means jack. I like Jack. Jack's my friend. But your opinion doesn't mean Jack squat. (laughs) But on the judgment day, there is a judgment day, church. All your opinions, all your thoughts, the way you influence, the way you lead, you will stand before Jesus for it. And on that judgment day, fire will reveal the kind of work that you have done. If the work survives, or wait, verse verse 13, but on the judgment day, fire reveal the kind of work the builder has done. The fire will show if a person's work has any value. If the work survives, that builder will receive a reward. But if the work is burned up, the builder will suffer great loss because all of your life was exchanged for nothing. The builder will be saved. That's super good but like someone barely escaping through the wall of flames. Don't you realize that all of you together are the temple of God and that the Spirit of God lives in you? That's sobering to me. I know that I'm going to stand before Jesus and he's going to look at all the work that I've done and he judges the heart, guys. It has no matter of what you think about it. When I stand before Jesus, it's me and him. When you stand before him, it's you and him. How we led here together and how we're judged there is about how well we work together, which is kind of crazy. It's about how well we loved each other and worked together and maintained and the, the purity and unity, how we loved each other, and then we're judged alone. Before God. And he judges with fire. I made it. It's Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, guys. It's thrown in the fiery furnace. And the fires of hell can't burn the righteous, okay? You cannot burn up those things that are made of pure gold. When you give your life to Jesus and judgment comes, it All it burns off is whatever sin was there, okay? It's just gone because you're made righteous in Jesus. And you can't be, that can't be changed and undone because of the permanent work that Jesus did in heaven on the altar, the mercy seat for you. And so you get Jesus, you're like, hey, you're good. And he's like, hey, now we're going to test, are you saved? Did you trust in Jesus or did you just go to church? The big difference. And 
when you did all the things you did, was your heart right? Were you doing, was it right before me? Were you doing them out of obedience to me? And when I turn on the heat and the fire, will you, will, will, will those works be left? Will there be treasure in heaven? Eh? I want there to be a big pile. I want there to be a big, big pile. It's why when I give my offerings, guys, I'm giving them with my heart. I'm like, Jesus, I'm giving this in worship to you. I don't want anybody to see. I don't care if they see because I don't want it at risk. I'm a sneaky giver. I don't want my, I don't want it to be at risk because I made an exchange and I want that exchange to matter. When we lead people, we share Jesus and love with them. Little things matter, guys. And one of the most important things to Jesus is preserving and protecting the unity in our church. That's why our church's name, Unite Church. Defending its unity instead of our doctrine, defending the unity of the church instead of what our opinions, our attitudes, or our ways and our preferences are. We're defending the unity of believers through the presence and the, 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 the driving love of the Holy Spirit working in and through our lives. His love working through us produces the purest kind of reward in heaven, here on earth and in heaven. The way people know we love him is by the way we love each other. And the way we love each other is when it's hard. That's how we demonstrate it, is when it's hard. That's when real love shows up. The way we talk about each other, church. The way people feel when they're around us, do they feel welcome and loved and accepted, not based on what we've done or how cool we look or if we have our extra tufts on or not. Now, y'all judging those people that don't wear extra tufts now. Apparently, you can wear extra tufts when you pray over babies, too. Where's Jen? Where'd she go? I'm teasing her. I can't even see her. I thought it was great. I was like, yes. She's an Alaskan. She's been converted. I think she got a reward in heaven for wearing those. I don't know. <laughs> but here's one of the things that I want us to think about today is that when we offer our life to Jesus, it's the first offering. We give him everything. We lay our life on that brazen altar as a burnt offering. God, burn it all up. Burn all up of what was old so that I can experience what's new. And then, as an example of that dedication, we go into the waters of baptism. And that's why we fully submerge in water, which is what Jesus wanted done to him and John the Baptist did and all the believers in the New Testament did, is they fully submerged so they were completely washed of all their sin and the old life was washed away and the new life would come and emerge out. And that is a dedication service. Baptism is a dedication service. And so we're gonna do baptisms just in a few minutes. And that's why we have our baptism shirts that say, why have you not been baptized? How come you have not been baptized? Okay, I can't read upside down and backwards, but how come you have not been baptized? I should remember. <laughs> how come you have not been baptized? Who out here hasn't been baptized? Have you not given your life to Jesus? The first step is let's start giving our life to Jesus. Do not leave this room and not have your heart turned over and purified in the name of Jesus. And then if you want to be baptized, we have a group, of, a whole huge group of people getting baptized today. Right, raise your hand if you're getting baptized today. How many? That's not a huge group. One. <laughs> Apparently there's only one. Oh, they're all in the back room. Oh, you guys are all ready? Wow, that's so disciplined. We have 
gear for you. If you want to get baptized today, you can do it. But first, you need to get saved. In fact, you can get saved, and I'll pray for you in the tub while you get baptized. If you want to give your life to Jesus and get baptized all at the same time, let's go. But we're going to give everybody in the room an opportunity, and then we're going to transition. And if you have to go, it's great. But if, if you can stay for the baptisms, we're going to welcome everybody to stay. But uh, if you have not given your life to Jesus and dedicated your life to him, surrendered it to him, right now is the perfect opportunity. Will you close your eyes with me? The Bible says so simply, all we have to do is believe in Jesus and the work he has done. All that example of going to the mercy seat, dying for your sin, that's what Jesus did for you and all he wants from you, this is the great exchange. You get eternal reward for just believing in Jesus and putting your trust in him for the forgiveness of your sin and he will then make you right with him. The Bible says that all of us have sinned and fallen short of the glory of the God, but the gift of God is eternal life through the Son, Jesus Christ. If you want to give your life to Jesus, just stretch your hand up in the air right now, and I'll pray with you. Yeah, come on. Jesus, I'm ready to turn my life over to you. Yeah, thank you. Awesome. If you're not sure, you pray. Raise your hand and let's pray. Awesome. If you're not sure, raise your hand and let's pray. Awesome. I see your hands. You guys can put your hands down right now. Let's pray this. Pray this with me. The Bible says, believe in your heart, confess with your mouth, you'll be saved. It's a declaration of dedication to him. Father, in Jesus' name, I dedicate my life to you forever. Jesus, forgive me for my sin. Transform my life. Make me new and help me to live for you every day. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed this message, please connect with us at unitechurchak.org. We hope to see you soon.